Welcome to episode 115 of George's Random Astronomical Object. Every episode, I run a random number generator to select random astronomical coordinates in the sky, and I then search for an astronomical object near those coordinates and talk about what makes that object so interesting to astronomers. So, I will now run the random number generator. Hello. The coordinates for this episode are 4 hours, 6 minutes, 59.4 seconds right ascension, and plus 60 degrees, 55 minutes, 14 seconds declination. This episode's coordinates point to an object named NGC 1501 in the constellation Camillo Pardalis, which is a constellation representing a giraffe. However, the first two syllables in the constellation's name are clearly the word camel. Apparently, the Greek word for giraffe is camel leopard. Also, this is not a constellation created by the ancient Greeks, but instead created by a Dutch theologian and astronomer named Petrus Plancius in 1612. The constellation basically consists of a bunch of faint stars, the brightest of which is magnitude 4.0, or one or two magnitudes brighter than what can be seen without a telescope. Anyhow, that concludes the part of the episode where I rant about a stupid constellation. Now back to the astronomical object. NGC 1501 is a planetary nebula, as in the type of nebula that is formed when a star about the size of the sun dies and blows off its outer atmosphere, and not the type of nebula associated with actual planets. The nebula is kind of a weird oval shape. And in fact, this object has the nickname of the Oyster Nebula because it extremely vaguely looks like the shape of an oyster. Very specifically, it has the shape of an abnormally symmetric oyster. Most oysters are asymmetric, or at least they look asymmetric to me. Anyway, stars the size of the sun have the mass to trigger the fusion of helium into carbon and oxygen in their cores. But the stars are not massive enough to trigger the fusion of carbon and oxygen into heavier elements. So when the stars die and blow away their outer atmospheres, they leave behind these cores of carbon and oxygen, which are sometimes still surrounded by residual amounts of helium. These cores thus become white dwarfs. Such a white dwarf has been found in the center of NGC 1501. However, this white dwarf is very young. It's also not an ordinary white dwarf. First of all, this white dwarf is extremely hot. The temperature is listed as 134,000 degrees Kelvin, which is about 134,000 degrees Celsius because the 273 degree difference between the two temperature scales doesn't matter when things are this hot. Because the temperature is so high and because the white dwarf formed relatively recently, the star is also producing really strong stellar winds that are helping to blow away the remaining gas surrounding the white dwarf and shape the surrounding planetary nebula. Additionally, 
the star is really bright. It produces 3.85 times more light than the sun does. However, the star is located at a distance of 5,630 light years, or 1,730 parsecs, so it doesn't look that bright as seen from Earth. Most notably, though, the star at the center of NGC 1501 pulsates. It actually has several different pulsation periods. The strongest pulsations have a period of between 19 and 33 minutes. In fact, this star belongs to a class of pulsating white dwarf stars named GW Virginist stars, after the first star identified with this type of variability. A bunch of other terms are also used to describe this class of variable stars, which could get really confusing very quickly because most variable star classifications are based on the names of individual stars. So I'll just go with GW Virginus stars. In any case, the star at the center of NGC 1501 is one of the most notable and well-studied GW Virginus stars in the sky. The pulsation in the central white dwarf in NGC 1501 comes from gravitational waves propagating through the white dwarf, which is still cooling off. After a while, the star should have settled down and stabilized and stopped pulsing. For now, though, the pulsations are very interesting as they are a form of what is called astroseismology, and astronomers have used astroseismological models to estimate the mass of the star which is about 0.61 times the mass of the Sun. As a final note, NGC 1501 is both close enough to Earth and bright enough in the night sky to actually see with an amateur telescope. Unfortunately, I can't really give good instructions on how to find the nebula because it's in a constellation that consists of a bunch of really faint stars. So you'll just need to either use a really good star chart or a telescope with a computerized mount. The nebula is apparently barely visible as a faint oval shape in telescopes with diameters of 10 to 12.5 centimeters, or 4 to 5 inches. In 20 centimeter or 8 inch or larger telescopes, it's possible to see the central star as well as more structure in the nebula. High magnification is recommended for viewing the star. So that summarizes why both amateur and professional astronomers are so interested in NGC 1501, and the location on the Earth's surface corresponding to the position of NGC 1501 in the sky is an area of forested land near the small town of Kershaw in the Sverdlovsk Oblast in central Russia. The one thing I can say about Kershaw is that it has a rail station. Otherwise, I couldn't find any information about it. I blame Russian hackers for that. The website for this podcast, as long as Russian hackers don't take it down, is www.randomastronomicalobject.com. You can visit the website to download episodes of the show, read information about the astronomical objects, view images of those astronomical objects, look up additional reference information, and send me random feedback. And in fact, I have feedback for this episode. Tim Erickson from Funk, Nebraska writes, Thank you for your great astronomy podcast. It always brightens up my day when it appears in my feed. 
When I first discovered your podcast, I went and listened to all past episodes. The most random episode, in my opinion, was the one with Cheap Astronomy. That was a something really unexpected on my part. I hope that the random number generator lands on a blue straggler, and some other time a globular cluster. Your information on these stars would be really nice to hear. Thank you for taking the time for the podcast. Well, it's really great to hear back from you, Tim. First of all, I think Funk is a really great name for a small town in Nebraska, or a small town anywhere for that matter. Second, the next time a globular cluster does get chosen by the random number generator, I'll see if I can find some information on blue stragglers within the globular cluster. The audio was recorded and edited by George Bendo. The music is Immersion by Sasha Endy at www.sasha-endy.de and the sound effects are from the Freesound Project at www.freesound.org. Thanks for listening.